Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Church Brand Guide podcast. Uh, this is Michael Persaud. Glad to um, be with you today. In fact, we have a guest that's going to be with us. His name is Bobby Bogard. And Bobby and I are going to talk a little bit about change. Like, how do you um, help, help uh, a church and leadership go through this idea of change? Um, that's always one of the things that we come across as we're working with um, different churches is how, how do we get our leadership to change, our board, maybe our congregation? How do we get some of that to take place if you've been around for a little while? So Bobby's going to give us some fresh insights. And um, he's also going to uh, give us some insights into um, some big questions that we've heard uh, some of you guys asking on social media. Um, so I'm going to throw a couple of them out to him and, and see uh, who uh, what he has to say about some of that. So Bobby, why don't you take a moment? Welcome on the podcast. How are you doing? It's great to be with you, Michael, and uh, we're doing well. We're uh, surviving the winter vortex up here in Michigan, and uh, but enjoying life, enjoying the journey. Yes, sir. Excellent. Why, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey? Uh, what are you up to right now? Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, we were, we've been in ministry for 40, I think 44 years now, uh, have experience in uh, church planting, youth ministry, uh, conferences, uh, being a part of a couple of mega churches with uh, multi-sites and big budgets and large staff. And uh, so we've kind of lived the gamut in ministry and have joined the journey all these years. And so we're now in Michigan. We oversee, we're the director of operations for Linked International Network of Churches. And uh, we have about 60 churches that are part of our uh, relational network and we plant churches. We help churches plant churches really. And, um, and then I'm also uh, about a year and a half ago uh, began a journey to launch a, a new initiative in my life called uh, Bogard Group Ministries where we, uh, we help make leaders and churches succeed. Excellent. And then you've uh, you spent a little bit of time with uh, Gateway Church as well. I, in fact, I heard you on a different podcast talking a little bit about that. Is there one takeaway you could share with us that uh, just very quickly about your time at Gateway? You know, Gateway, uh, Gateway, like Church of the Highlands and some other churches in our nation have just uh, seen tremendous growth over the years. Um, and having been a part of several other different organizations, I think the one takeaway that you uh, inevitably have when you're on staff at Gateway is there's a culture of health, and um, that encompasses a lot of things, but it's a healthy organization, and under the leadership of Pastor Robert Morris, who is just, um, I mean, he's the real deal. I've seen him in front of people, and I've seen him in the back, you know, uh, back room and and in our personal lives and just love him and his wife and their family they're just genuine people love God and love the kingdom so genuineness is uh, yeah that's something we've experienced too as we've come in contact with the gateway and uh, when, one of the things we love to do on this podcast is to share ideas and different things from different places uh, so that we can learn um, so we can get ideas of like hey what, what is it that's in the secret sauce over there that's um, might be something that we can we can use if it lines up with who we are and our DNA. And, I, you know, genuineness is probably something that every church should be something that every church is able to, to use. Um, so let's just talk about a couple things real quick as it as it pertains to change and introducing the idea of change. So every church 
uh, comes to a time where they've, they've got to make some changes for one reason or another. Um, do you have some insights of what to look for? Like, what are some signs when your church might need to change? Uh, you know, there are different benchmarks that, that really constitute whether change needs to be made. Um, I think churches on different levels experience different uh, needs for change and really catalysts for change. Um, but, you know, I'm reading a book right now by uh, Samuel Chand called Leadership Pain. And one of the things that he points out in there that, you know, growth equals change and change equals pain. And one of the reasons we resist change is because, you know, the pain of change uh, doesn't override the pain of staying the same. Does that make sense? So it's easier, it's more comfortable to stay the same than experience the pain that's involved in change. And so a lot of, a lot of churches, a lot of ministries, individuals, we, we resist change because we know that change is going to bring about uh, a difference of lifestyle, a difference of economics, uh, a difference of systems and organizations and processes. And so um, that doesn't answer your question, but I'm just saying that one of the reasons we never enter into change is because of the significant uh, difference that's made on the other side of it. Um, but in looking at, you know, what constitutes change or would be benchmarks for a church or an organization that change is necessary. Um, of course, when you're, when you're in a growing season, growth automatically constitutes change. So if you add more people, then there are more people that need to be cared for. And as a result, the more people need to be cared for, then maybe the process and systems by which you cared for them in the past become obsolete and things start falling through the crack as far as being able to care for people. And so I think that's one sign, um, you know, growth in and of itself constitutes change. So we get calls from different churches uh, in what we do, our, our line of what we do, um, and they're asking for a new logo or a website, something along those lines. And, um, you know, we, we get on, we're kind of at a tail end of a change process um, is usually how it works. Um, they work through some things and they realize we've got we've to do some things differently. And um, by the time we, we are able to, you know, come into the picture, um, it's towards the tail end of that. Um, and they want to level up in different ways as a, as a ministry. Um, so you're a consultant, especially with the Bogard group. You go in, you help with um, that process before we even get in the picture uh, to help them realize that there probably is a need for change. And there's some areas where this change need to, to take place. What are some of those key areas that you normally take churches through uh, when, when change is needed? Yeah, well, I think, you know, if we come on the scene, they've already acknowledged that some changes need to be made. Uh, either they're stagnant in their growth or they're, uh, they're burning out in their, their personnel because of running hard and not running smart. Um, they come to the table with um, maybe sometimes uh, ideas and, and 
determination of where they feel like they're supposed to go. And so they're asking us to come in and help them uh, find what that direction is. So one of the things that we do is we come in and we help by asking questions for them to really assess themselves and discover, you know, what does this change constitute for us? And what are the necessary steps in order for us to process this change and drive it through the organization? Um, and so on a couple of instances, you and I have worked together where in order for them to move to the next phase or step in their process, it involved marketing or branding, uh, things of that nature so that people can be driven to uh, accept the change, the change can be communicated effectively, there can be some consistency with the process of change so that there's a, a sense of unity and a sense of security. Because granted, when we make changes, people become insecure. And so the best way that we can help them is to help them with good systems and good communication processes. So if you're a pastor out there and you've got a, you've got a desire to change, you know things need to change, um, Bobby, why don't you talk to that pastor real quick? Like, what can they go to their board and say to help that process take place? Well, you know, the first thing I would say to any senior pastor and really a leader of an organization or even a leader of a department is that the first thing that you have to be willing to do is be teachable. We talk about being teachable, but uh, I have to have a teachable heart in order for me to step out and ask for help. You know, if you take uh, people that want to lose weight, sometimes they get a weight loss coach. People that want to, you know, exercise, they get a strength coach. Uh, professional athletes have coaches. And I think one of the things is a, a lot of pastors have to overcome that barrier of asking for help. But once you've done that, then uh, you have to contend with the, the people or the organizational structure or the culture that surrounds what that change is going to impact. And so if I'm a pastor and I'm working with my board, um, the first thing I want to do is cast vision. Without a vision, people cast off restraint. And so the vision has to be clear and concise for the board to understand that the reason we're making this change is because there is, um, in a sense, an, a, um, a charge given to us from the Lord to move us from this place to this place. And a pastor has to be able to describe that identify it, uh, paint the picture for what the future looks like. And so he's got to communicate the vision to the board. Um, one of the things that you and I have talked about at times is many times uh, the reason the, the vision becomes a little bit muddled is because churches really don't have an understanding of what their target is or who God has uniquely gifted them to reach. It's not that we don't reach all people because we do. We reach all people. You know, Paul says, I'm come all things to all men so that I can reach all of them, right? Uh, but there is a lane that God gives us to run in, and we just need to be cognizant of that. So 
that when we make the changes, we relate the changes to the target. Yeah, one of the things that we, uh, on a marketing perspective, we really have to lean into is that target, that idea of a target. Um, on a marketing side, if you try to communicate to everyone, then you create a lot of noise and it becomes attractive to no one. So we, we really try to cut through that and um, try to get to a ideal. And a lot of times the ideal is not necessarily a demographic. It's not male or female. It's not an ethnicity. A lot of times it's a mindset. It's like, what does this person think like? And how can we as a church help them? And how can we set ourselves up as a, as a guide? Do you, now, I know you, go ahead, Bobby. Do you have something to add to that? Yeah, because, you know, that goes back to the communication process, Michael. Um, sometimes we, we tend to communicate in our language. It's just like a husband and wife, okay? They both have different love languages. And if I just communicate all the time in my love language, you know, and I never speak her language, then there's an impasse. There's, there's no congruency to our relationship. And so one of the things we have to understand is the audience that God's called us to reach and what's the language that they're speaking? What are the, the pain points in their life that need to be addressed? Uh, what are our changes in, in our structure or our implementation of ministry has to be uh, focused toward that audience that we're trying to reach. And I think that's where we miss it a lot of times, especially, again, in implementing change. If we're just changing because somebody gave us a good idea, then we're missing the mark. The change has to be related to the vision, and the vision is focused on the audience that God's gifted us to reach. So once a change happens, let's say you've gotten to the point where you've, you've done that, um, you've implemented it, you know, you've painted the wall a different color, um, you've changed the logo. Um, how do you get people to follow you? Like, how do you get as many people as possible to come along for the journey? Any tips? Uh, again, um, if I put it this way, okay, so everything that God has, I put it this way. Ministry, all ministry is relational, okay? If I don't have a relationship, the ministry exchange doesn't take place. And so if I'm going to drive the, the vision of change into my organization, then I have to do it from a relational, visionary context, if you will. So my first line of change has to take place within my senior leadership. The senior leadership has to embrace the change. They have to have buy-in. To have buy-in, they need to have a voice at the table and they need to have uh, input into the uh, nuances of what that change will entail. The second thing then is helping them have the tools and the resources to drive that into our key volunteer leadership because the local church is a volunteer uh, driven organization, if you will. So my key leaders have to understand, they have to be able to uh, eat and breathe, if you will, what that vision entails and, and the impact 
and then it drives down into the church. So the relational part of it is to help people see, okay, the change will produce this outcome. The outcome will change these people's lives. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I want them to see on the other side of our change, there's somebody that's waiting. Maybe if I'm implementing the change of a freedom ministry, there's somebody waiting uh, that's bound up with drugs or alcohol, or there's somebody that's, that's has another type of addiction. And if we make this change to bring this ministry to them, their lives will be transformed. Or maybe it's bringing in uh, uh, some changes in the aspect of our financial uh, generosity and our community uh, surrounding finances. And so on the other side, I've got some people that are struggling with credit card debt, and we're going to make changes to help them know how to steward. We're going to help them make changes so that they can save and, and be able to pass on a heritage to the next generation. We're going to help them uh, have a generous spirit so they can give up and above and beyond their tithe and make an impact. So we want to cast the vision and we want to help them see the result of that vision is that somebody's life is going to be changed. That's great. We um, will come across some churches that have been around for a really long time. Um, they have members, maybe, maybe uh, upwards of a hundred years. They have members that have been there since they were young and it's been decades and decades and uh, maybe a pastor comes along and they, uh, they want to make some changes. Yep. And um, I think what you were saying is that it's an inside out approach. You know, if you start from the inside, invite people into that process, share the vision, share the need, um, share the results that we are. It's not just a change, just a change. It's, it's because we want to impact lives. And if you want to be a part of that, then, hey, let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. And we've seen that leaders that do that well are able to lead through that change really well. Yeah, and if you go back to one of John Maxwell's old stories, when he first started in ministry, he started in a rural community. And in order to implement changes, he realized that, uh, you know, leadership is influence. And at that point, he, he didn't have the greatest influence in the room with the board. But uh, I forget the guy's name, but let's say it's Clyde. Clyde had the greatest influence in the room. So what John began to do is he began to meet with Clyde, you know, out at his farm before each board meeting, casting the vision, getting buy-in from Clyde so that when they went into the board meeting, the influencer in the room would be able to carry the vision and the voice of the change. Now that's not manipulation. That's just good leadership. And so you have to, like, especially in the context you just mentioned where you've got people that have been there forever and we've always done it this way. And why should we have to change? And, you know, because change means pain. I might, I might lose my favorite pew or whatever. Well, you have to do that through the relational context of influence. And so that's leading down. If I'm a staff member and let's say that, you know, I need to make some changes in my department to enhance the vision of the church, then I've got to come in uh, with my oversight or my senior pastor and begin to cast the vision up through the organization so that people can see what I see. I love what my pastor, Dwayne Vanderklot, says. He says, 
the best decisions made closest to the problem. The problem with that is many times the board is setting disconnected from what's going on in the everyday life. And so change doesn't happen because these people are not pushing the vision up and the, the need for change up so that these people can see it and comprehend the decision that's being made at this level and what it, how it will impact the church's success. You know, change in churches are usually the churches that are the ones that are growing. Um, they're the ones that are, uh, you know, just in a very, very general sense, like the, the ones that are willing to adapt and to see that things aren't what they used to be. You know, I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not super old, but even when I was a kid, um, church was different. Like there was almost a, hey, we just go to church mentality and we just go to that church or they go to this church. But, but now today, like that's not the mentality. Um, going to church is awkward, you know, and, or asking somebody to come to your church is kind of awkward. So I feel like uh, churches that embrace this idea of like, hey, we got, we've got to do something a little different. Um, the tools that we have uh, are different than what they were when we were younger generations ago. And we have to communicate a little differently. Maybe we have to pay more attention to some things um, that we didn't used to have to pay attention to, like, like Facebook or Snapchat or whatever it is that the new thing is that, that's out. And um, the churches that embrace that are usually the ones that you see that are, that are growing and um, doing pretty well. But it's a hard process. Like it's easier, easier said than, than done. So hopefully this, this episode, this podcast just helps you as a, as a church leader whether you're a lead pastor or a communicator of some kind, graphic designer, whatever you might be in your church, just process that idea of like, how do I bring change to my church? Um, because there's probably a great, uh, great likelihood that you probably need some change in some way to take place. So Bobby, we, we usually get a question. So um, I want to give you an audience question real quick uh, while we, uh, before we end this podcast episode. Um, so this question is going to be worded a little bit funny, but I, I'm doing it on purpose because this is kind of what we get on, on some of the feedback. So the question from our audience today is why should we spend money on marketing instead of building an, or an orphanage in, through missions? Well, uh, the reality is you ought to be doing both. Um, you know, mission, so a church, um, their, their budget should incorporate missions giving, okay? Now, you have local missions, you have world missions, foreign missions. Now, there are some marketing dollars that get allocated in both of those contexts because, you know, if, if we're going to uh, build a water well in wherever uh, and our congregation uh, needs to be connected to that water well, and, and see what their missions dollars are doing as a congregation. Marketing is a part of that process. We want to help them see, uh, contextualize what their giving is doing, the life change that's happening on the other side of their giving. Uh, locally, it might be, let's say for example, that we're partnering with uh, a sex trafficking ministry and we're seeing some young ladies come out of sex slavery. And so, Marketing is a part of that because marketing tells the story. It communicates, you know, the process and the vision and the cost. And so marketing and, and missions kind of go hand in hand uh, in that context. But there are also marketing dollars that I feel like should be a part of the local church budget to push the 
the vision of the house forward. And some of those marketing dollars uh, would be in branding, uh, in our visualization, our announcements that we do on the weekends, uh, you know, promoting uh, whatever youth trip or, uh, or maybe missions trip that's taking place. If we're connected to Israel, you're marketing to your, in a, in a sense, you're marketing to your congregation. So marketing dollars need to be a part of every church's budget because you're, you're, you're going to use those marketing dollars in many different facets. So I don't know that you could say, Hey, there's a right, you know, we, we only do missions. We don't do marketing or we only do marketing. We don't do missions because they're, they're blended. You can't get the two apart. Yeah, thanks for speaking into that. I really appreciate just your years of experience and wisdom, just kind of talking through uh, some of that. Um, we, we found that, uh, that marketing is something that is really healthy because you're thinking outward. Um, so anytime an organization is able to think beyond themselves, um, it's healthy. Like you, you begin to do things that are, that are good for the organization. Whenever you're looking internally all the time, you become kind of weird. <laughs> well, even going back to what we talked about earlier, you know, communication for change. Um, so you're like, for example, you know, websites, some websites haven't been looked at in 10 years and they're so outdated and they, the information on them is wrong. Uh, so you need marketing dollars to keep like a website current to keep uh you know maybe your blogs on your uh, website current and driving people to those the information that your congregation needs to access through the website uh also driving your social media traffic into uh the context of the website so that they can find out who you are because today's culture you don't just drive into a town and, and decide to go to that church building. In today's culture, they're checking you out on Facebook before they ever come, or they're Googling the information on your church before they ever set that foot in your church. And so a lot of churches are really taking advantage of marketing in this respect. Hey, plan your visit. On, on their website, they have, hey, plan your visit. And they help you come into a guest experience that far exceeds someone that just shows up and, and then I'm greeting you out of the blue. If I'm helping them set up their visit, then I've already got their kids checked in. You know, I've got name badges, you know, that are appropriate for, you know, whatever age group that they're going to demographic that they're going into, whatever the context is, I'm helping them have an experience uh, of fellowship and relationship that's deeper only because I was cognizant of what marketing entails. Yeah, it's serving. You're just serving. It's just another way to serve your, your community. Uh, Bobby, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Uh, what are some ways that people can connect with you or just see more about what you're doing? Well, we, uh, we have our website, bogardgroup.com. And uh, thank you, Michael, for helping us put that together. Uh, so they can visit us at bogardgroup.com or they can visit us on Facebook, uh, Bogard Group, everything's Bogard Group. So they can visit us on Facebook or LinkedIn and uh, they can see some of the resources that we're putting out there, some of the videos that we're doing on leadership, 
and things of that nature. Yep. Excellent. So everyone, I want to encourage you to go check it out, uh, the Bogard Group platform, the website, and social media. And uh, just well, thanks again, Bobby, for coming on and for providing some value to the audience. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Michael. Is your church the best kept secret in town? Would you like to change that? Companies use branding and marketing to attract people. They turn strangers into customers. I've seen that churches that use marketing principles are able to build awareness so that more people show up on the weekends. Greater life change is able to take place as a result of people showing up. They become part of something greater than themselves. As they discover their purpose, their life truly makes a difference. There are five key areas of marketing that I want to help you understand. And I've created some, a video series that's free to help you do that. The first area is strategy. A church needs to have a great strategy. And I'll show you what a great one looks like for most churches. The second area is website. The website truly is the front door to your church. People check you out there first before anything else. I'll show you how to get one right so that it invites people on a regular basis. The third is your branding. Uh, it's your logo, your colors, your fonts. We want to make sure we get that right so it's in line with your vision. The fourth area is your events. We need to make sure your events are presented well so people show up and not only that, they stick around. They come back after the event is over. And, and the fifth is you need to have a road map. You need to have something, a step-by-step -step guide. And I, I want to provide you with some customizable downloads so that you're able to create a strategy for your church that's custom for your church. So I created this series because I believe it will be a game changer for your outreach. You'll be able to reach more people as, re as a result of applying these five, these five things that I'm talking about. Get the five-step church marketing makeover video series. It's free. Just go to churchbrandguide.com and you can jump in. Thank <laughs> you.